0: Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Paul Ricard, filling in for Peter Switzer. On tonight's show, we have Michael Wayne, the Managing Director of Medallion Financial. He talks about why he's a little bit cautious on the market, but also why he doesn't like what he describes as high-duration tech stocks. But he does nominate some stocks he thinks could grow, stocks like Ordinate, Pro Medicus, and a couple of others. So a great interview coming ahead. On the property scene, Margaret Lomas joins us from Destiny. Now Margaret's a little bit bearish on the Sydney and Melbourne property markets, but thinks there's value in another Australian capital city. And she explains some of her recent experience, personal experience, in refinancing some of her loans and what that could mean for a bit of pain in the property market ahead, but also some areas that uh, she thinks have good long-term growth fundamentals. And finally, my budget wrap for the 2022 budget which I would describe as largely the Labor government delivering on election promises but putting off any hard decisions to May next year. I'm joined by Michael Wayne, the CEO and Managing Director of Medallion Financial. Michael, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Let's start with the two things that are sort of happening in markets at the moment. One is we've seen US bond rates fall uh, back to 4% and and we've had quite a big rally in the United States. Yesterday we had uh, some inflation data in Australia, which the market sort of just brushed aside. Yeah. Do you want to get your overall take on how you think the market's heading at the moment? Yeah,
1: look, it's very, very difficult to predict, I think, with any certainty. Um, The market seems to be latching on to positive thematics when it can. Um, Everyone's sort of predicting a peak in US rate rises towards the beginning of next year, and you've seen bond yields come back off their very lofty peaks from a week or a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So we're starting to see a little bit of momentum pick up again. However, it's very difficult to say whether or not that will last. Um, it's very common that we see these bear market rallies throughout an ongoing bear market. Um, we would also expect that you know, corporate earnings start to roll over like we're starting mm-hmm. to see in the US. We saw some interesting figures out of Meta. and. Yep and out of Apple and, and Alphabet, which owns Google. Meta was after the, the market closed last night in
0: the States, but it was off about 15%, that's I think. That's
1: right. Uh, so Those big tech names in the US are, so, are showing signs of earning weakness. Um, and markets typically tend to bottom, though, before earnings bottom. So it's a good sign in many ways that the earnings are coming off. Mm. So I do think it brings forward the opportunity for markets having a sustained rally. Um, but it's look, almost
0: like the market wants to, like a lot of people gunning for it to rally, but yeah. you know, it, if the fundamentals aren't there, I don't know whether...
1: That's right. I mean, it's look, at the moment, I just think it's very difficult for the markets to have a sustained recovery until everyone's very confident that interest rates are peaking mm. um, and that corporate earnings are potentially finding a bottom three to six months out. Um, at the moment, look, there's one week the market's very, very negative. The next week is very, very positive, but not much has really changed, I don't think, at this stage. So we remain cautious, um, but optimistic on a you know two, three, five year time horizon, because history suggests that after pullbacks of this magnitude, it does set up the medium to long term performance of your portfolios quite well.
0: And let's bring it back home locally. I mean, we sort of shrugged off, almost ignored yeah. what was a pretty ordinary inflation result yesterday.
1: Yeah, up for the high, I think the highest level in 32 years. And everyone had been suggesting that in Australia we're a bit immune to what's going mm-hmm. on overseas and things aren't anywhere as bad on the inflation front. Well, yesterday we got that rude shock, I suppose. We're catching up to what the inflation figures are overseas pretty quickly. Um, and it's interesting to see what the RBA's reaction will be after all of that. Um, it was well highlighted that the RBA had the, had the opportunity to increase 0.5% last rates um, rising meeting or last rate meeting, um, but they decided to only increase by 0.25%. So, it'll be interesting to see what commentary comes out early next month. So, only next week.
0: Yep. Melbourne Cup Day, of course. uh, Mm. I think the market's expecting 0.25%, but that might be a little hard for the RBA not to think about going back to 0.5
1: again. Yeah, well, uh, the the commentary will be interesting. I saw Goldman Sachs have increased the probability of a half a percent rate rise to about 0.3%. It's a 30% chance of a half a percent rate rise. So, it'll be interesting to see the general commentary, but I think it's woken a lot of people up as to the predicament that we're finding ourselves so in. So I've got
0: the timing right, uh, half an hour before you get your bets on, <laughs> the be, uh, Melbourne Cup uh, sales away at three o'clock and the RBA yeah. at 2.30 on Tuesday. Okay, uh, one area that has been performing really strong, Come back a little bit today, are banks. Uh, we had the ANZ resolve yeah. this morning. I mean, CBA, I think yesterday, got to $102. It was touched on about 90, $90.50. Yeah. Uh, back in June uh, when people were pretty bearish about bad debts, clearly they're down the horizon. Mm-hmm. NIM or net interest margin is a lot better than expected. Uh, any thoughts about what's, whether the banks have sort of run their course a little bit or do you think it's sort of, as we go into bank reporting season, um, the market will reassess the but opportunities there? they've
1: definitely been a bastion of strength. They've held up remarkably well really over the last 12 months when there's been a lot of turbulence under the surface in, in other areas of the market. Um, I think it's a situation that in the short term, the conditions for the banks are actually quite good. Interest rates have gone up very, very quickly, and mm-hmm. it's given them an opportunity to get those net interest margins up and their profitability up. Um, that number from you, um, ANZ today, in terms of the, the cash earnings growth or crash profit growth, was very, very good. Like 5% growth has been actually yeah. very good relative to recent years. I think the question for the banks is looking out maybe you know, 12, 18 months, 2 years, if these interest rates really start to bite the economy, um, then you could see the banks again come under pressure. Because it's just very difficult to see that in this sort of environment where everyone's already quite leveraged, um, whether credit growth can keep going um, at the same rate that we've become used to in recent years. It just seems very unlikely. Um, Also, there's gonna be a lot of competition in the banking space over the next couple of years as a lot of those fixed rate mortgages roll over and start to become variable. I think there's someone mentioned, I think it was Macquarie, um, in one of their notes discussed 25% of the mortgage market is basically coming up for grabs in the next couple of years. So there'll be a lot of competitive pressure amongst the banks to try and win some of those mortgages you would think. But I struggle to get too excited about the banks medium to longer term, just because I don't think the credit growth is going to be there, it's going to constrain their earnings growth. Return on equity has been a bit of an issue for the banks for some time, and I don't think that's going to improve much either. Uh, and looking at the banks generally speaking, there's a lot that they still need to spend um, and, um, on technology and improving their, their back end systems and their offering to clients. So, yeah, I mean, look, we're neutral on the banks. A lot of our clients hold some of the banks. We hold CBA and and um, mm-hmm. Westpac, and mm-hmm. uh, they're good dividend payers, but we don't think that. There's that much growth in them okay. going forward. I want, I want to
0: come to where you think there's growth, but just mm-hmm. finally, Macquarie's out tomorrow. It's yes. a different sort of bank. Uh, it's an investment bank, and uh, Mike's been a bit down of, of late, um, yep. but just started to rally in the last couple of days. Macquarie has a habit of out-surprising. Yes. And what do you think thoughts of Macquarie in yeah, tomorrow's report? We
1: hold Macquarie for clients. It's been a good performer um, over the last five years or so. It's done a very good job in diversifying its business model compared to the bank Mm -hmm. it was, or the investment bank that it was in the GFC for instance, it's a lot more diversified, Mm -hmm. has a bigger exposure to annuity type businesses such as funds management. Um, The big driver for Macquarie I think in recent times has been their commodities business, we've seen that sort of dislocation in the commodities market and that would help that trading part of the business. Um, Their asset management business has been sort of buffeted by the falling Aussie dollar Mm -hmm. Um, So they've got a lot of assets under management these days, that's denominated in US dollars. A falling Aussie dollar has actually boosted up that um, assets under management in Aussie dollar terms, or at least supported it in a falling market. Um, They're also quite big in the mortgage space, they've done a very good job in establishing themselves as a real player amongst Mm. the big four and and some of those regional banks such as Bank of Queensland and Bendigo. Um, But again, it's going to be very difficult for them to keep maintaining the growth in that space. because will be a lot of competition I think for mortgages in the years to come as those those fixed rates move on to variable.
0: And they've had trouble I think uh, you know actually being out of service uh, some of the clients have been taking on. Anyhow that's out tomorrow I think as I said, the habit is uh, or the tradition with Macquarie at our surprises so don't be expecting something better tomorrow. Let's move on to where you think there are growth opportunities Mm -hmm. let's go to a couple of stocks that uh, aren't banks because the banks yeah, this market has it's been quite punishing on some of the smaller, medium cap companies, yeah, and, definitely. and banks and the majors, resource companies have held up pretty well. But let's let's go to where you think the growth yeah, opportunities are.
1: It's hard at the moment because we've basically done all the selling of the things that we want to sell, but we're not really game enough to yeah. pile in to the opportunities that we see as long term, just because we think the markets are a little bit mm-hmm. a bit jumpy. Um, but look, our preference at the moment would be to avoid long duration cash flow businesses yep. or long duration. Yep. Earnings businesses and they're the companies that have a very good story, um, but the revenues, oh, sorry, the cash flows and the earnings aren't meant to kick in for two, three, four years. I think the so that's some of your
0: startup techs. And, that's right, and even even less mature tech companies yeah, where the revenues is in the never never, and uh, yeah, you know. They're growing like crazy. Well, and right? that's
1: the stuff that the market's been very harsh yep. on. The companies that might have a good story but just don't have anything on yep. paper at yep. the moment to back that up. So our preference is for short duration earners, okay. short duration cash flow well, let's generators. Go a those, if we... So companies like um, realestate.com, SEEK, I think have good long term prospects. Um, they've still got a lot of growth, they've got a lot of investment in international markets, which are, in the case of SEEK, the revenue they're generating from overseas was almost as big, if not bigger, mm-hmm. than what they're generating mm-hmm. in Australia, mm-hmm. just it's not as profitable yet. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if you look at um, some of the, the tech names, we do think that there are some very high quality tech names that have been beaten up a lot. Something like an Ordinate, for instance, I had a very good update just a couple of days ago. That's, so that's, that's,
0: uh, that's 88, Ordinate's in 88. the- 88,
1: so it's in the, um, the Audio digital space and now they're moving into the visual digital space and basically it's a protocol that's embedded into different electronic goods mm-hmm. and allows them to communicate without the need for cords and cables. Um, it's a, a very, very powerful tool. It's being embedded in you know companies like Bose, Toshiba, these sorts of electronic companies. And I think about 80% of all new electronics coming to market incorporate this ordinate protocol. Um, They're growing at, I think, 10 to 15 times the nearest competitor. Um, So that's a business that we like long term, and that's about to turn cash flow positive Mm -hmm. in the next sort of year or so. Um, So look, there are definitely pockets of the market that are looking a lot more attractive than 6, 12 months ago, but I do think it's still a little bit premature to be piling in um, to those out-and-out growth names.
0: And another besides order, just a second in that category?
1: Um, In the tech space, look, we think that something like... um, ProMedicus had a very good mm-hmm. update in August. Um, so, ProMedicus is sort of a health tech hybrid type business. They provide imaging software. Yep. Um, they've won a lot of contracts, particularly with the academic hospitals in America. Um, and it basically saves a lot of time because these are very, very dense images that doctors are able to generate in a short space of time, which helps um, in diagnosing certain things. Um, so, if they can continue to win contracts, that'll be a, a very good thing for them. They've got a big backlog of tenders at the moment, Uh, so you'd expect that they'll win a lot of those, Mm -hmm. um, as well as the fact that a lot of their existing contracts are getting rolled over. When they lock in these contracts it's sort of seven to eight year contract cycles, so it does give you quite good visibility over their earnings um, going forward. So that's a business that was one of these sort of high growth expensive tech names, but it's really made the transition from being yep. a loss maker to being profitable, paying dividends now. And if you look at all those key metrics like revenue, earnings, margins, return on equity, are <laughs> all sort of profit, all moving um, sort of bottom left to top right in the chart. So yeah, we, we like that business too.
0: Okay, well, Michael, noting your overall caution on the market, yep. your caution about uh, what I saw most long duration type style uh, assets, and uh, I think some interesting comments about ProMedicus and uh, Ordinate. That was uh, Michael Wayne, the Managing Director of Medallion Financial. Joining me now is the founder of Destiny Financial Solutions, Margaret Lomas. Margaret, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having
0: me. Look, let's start with uh, sort of the property market as a whole and the impact of, of higher interest rates. We've seen the Reserve Bank perhaps signal it's not pausing, but perhaps the pace of increases is slowing down to 0.25% and maybe another increase due on on Tuesday. Uh, Do you see the interest rate increases really really having a big impact on the market?
2: Look, unfortunately, I think the impact that we're seeing on the bigger markets like Sydney and Melbourne at the moment are probably more due to the media retention given to those interest rate rises. And the reason I say that is that there's certainly not been enough time for the impact of those interest rate rises to bite. When you consider that over the past two years to three years, fixed rates have been so good that we had a significant number of people fixing their rates either going into a loan with a fixed rate or fixing an existing loan and a lot of investors also did fix their interest rates and that was really the first time in a very long time that i'd seen so many people fixing rates and it was really also the first time ever that i'd advised people to fix a rate because prior to that a fixed rate would be fairly short term it would be normally worse than the variable, we weren't in these fluctuating interest rate times and a fixed rate generally set you worse off than a variable because you were paying more even if the variable then started to go up, you paid more at the beginning of that fixed rate than a variable and you lost out overall. So we did see a significant number of people far more than ever before fixed their interest rates. A lot of those people are just starting to come off those rates Mm -hmm. now. I know that 10 of my own loans came off fixed rates in October, and I've got another 10 or so coming off in March. So for me and for many people like me, the rate of my interest went from a 2.2 interest rate to mid fives overnight. Now, even for me, is right at the end, I guess, of my acquisition in my property portfolio phase and looking at some stage to maybe sell down some, it's a really big impact on my finances. It's a massive impact that 3% interest rate rise on a PI loan or on 10 P&I loans, soon to be 20 of them. So I guess we haven't really seen the impact of those interest rate rises. And at the moment, the impact that we're seeing in the property markets that we're seeing it in, and it isn't all property markets, it's really at this stage, mostly in Sydney and Melbourne, is more a result of people being frightened by the headlines than it is a result of people um, actually feeling the pain of those interest rate uh, rises. And I just wonder if by March, when we'll probably see a whole lot more uh, fixed rates coming off and going into variable, I wonder if by then the Reserve Bank will start to have seen that, you know, it's been a big blow to everyone and they might even start slightly cutting rates again around about March.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're a little bit cautious still on the bigger markets. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, on the one hand, it has an impact, the higher interest rates means people can borrow less money simply because the serviceability goes down. But for the existing owners and investors in property who haven't really had to see the pain of of the higher interest rates, that's still to come. Uh, And maybe that might put a bit more, I won't say supply into the market, but might make a few people keener to to, to sell some property, so yeah, you're, I, you're still I, cautious if I read that correctly, is that, is that yes, right? And,
2: and I think the point that you make is, is a very valid one. At the moment, the only impact that we're seeing happening are for those about to buy. So those about to buy aren't able to afford to, buy, to spend as much, therefore, Anything in, say, the Sydney and Melbourne market over around the $800,000 mark is being impacted by not having as many people wanting to buy. But we haven't seen the increased listings yet from people unable to hold any longer. Yeah, yeah. So people who got into the markets, paid 800 dollars dollars a million in Sydney and more, um, and thought that they could afford it they borrowed to the hilt. We did see a significant number of 90% loans during that time as well. And I can remember being very worried about that at the time thinking, well, if interest rates do go up and it was certainly forecast a little while back that they would, we're going to see all of these people suffering from mortgage stress. So what we'll see happening around the same time that all of these people come off their fixed rates is I think we'll see a flood of listings into those bigger markets, Mm -hmm. Sydney and Melbourne, parts of Brisbane. But I think other markets are then going to be the happy recipient of those investors who still want to invest because, and a lot of them remember couldn't invest before, but now they have a lot of equity in their homes that they have gained as a result of this boom. So they're gonna be looking for those markets that they can afford to invest in quite safely without feeling the heat of further interest rate rises. I think there's that, that's going to still be the Brisbane, Perth and, and, and Adelaide markets.
0: So I wanna to come to those other markets that you like. and I know that you always talk about it's not one property market, it's a market of a million different homes. So there are always good places to look at. But just before we put away the question of interest rates, the other side of that, of course, is rents. So we have seen some very strong increases in in rental growth in in a number of the markets. I mean, is that to some extent cushioning uh, the impact of higher interest rates for investors?
2: Uh, Yes, and that is the best thing for investors, obviously not for tenants, because tenants have to find the money. And if we take a step back and, and consider why we had those increases in the rents and, and um, you know, we saw it happening in many, many markets all at mm-hmm. once. We have to remember that we went through a period of time where you could get a loan for 1.9%. That for many renters was an amount significantly less than they were paying as rent, even before rent started to increase. Yep. Because rents are generally three, in, in the bigger cities, they're generally about 3% of property value some areas four, some areas two and a half, depending on how high the value of that property is. Hmm. So we saw a lot of renters who suddenly could borrow money at 1.9%. What they were paying on their mortgage was less than they were paying on rent. So we then saw a lot of renters moving into owners, which then reduced the rental pool. And so investors then were able to put up their rents because rentals became very tight during that time. So I think we would expect to see a reverse of that pattern come around once we start to see those rates really bite hard people can no longer afford to um, buy the homes more of those homes that then get sold potentially at fire sale values if people really are hurting will be snapped up by the investors and then we go back to the supply factor increasing for investors Um, or or for for renters, more supply, and therefore uh, uh, landlords have to compete and start to drop their rents again.
0: Okay, let's move on to uh, the areas, you you mentioned Sydney, Melbourne, maybe parts of Brisbane, perhaps, you know, more like February, March might start, the uh, impact of higher interest rates might really start to bite. Let's move on to the areas that you actually like at the moment or you see uh, stronger growth um, fundamentals. Um yes. so what are the sort of the your your sort of top picks at the moment Margaret?
2: Yeah and look I know that every single time I appear on Switzerland I do talk about Adelaide but it's been with good reason because despite the fact that Adelaide hasn't had a massive bull run except for the past 12 months when they definitely have Adelaide's given every year so as an investor as a pure investor it's a lovely investment to have because what you own grows a little bit every year, Mm -hmm. which is what you want in a portfolio. And if you have a number of properties doing that, instead of some stagnating while others grow, and then those ones stagnating while the others grow, it is nice to have properties that go up every year. I can speak from experience. I do have quite a number of properties in Adelaide and every single year those properties have grown in value. Obviously you need to be buying in the right areas that are in demand. But Adelaide now is finding exactly what I thought would happen around about five or six years ago, where those southern suburbs down along the beach there, which were formerly uh, occupied by that lower socioeconomic group Mm. of people, is now changing hands and moving into the hands of middle income earners, um, slightly higher income earners along the actual esplanades of those beaches because we have a freeway back into the city so we have plenty of opportunity to get back into the city in 20 minutes on that freeway so we're now seeing middle managers and 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 blue, you know and and senior managers moving into those areas now and the the properties are definitely changing hands so we're getting a much larger growth in those southern suburbs than we're getting anywhere else and we're now starting to see as those areas growing value. I have uh, some properties there that gained $150,000 in a year, and that is off a a value of $300,000. So they essentially grew by 50% in a year as a result of that demand filtering into those lower southern suburbs. Now, because those areas are starting to get a bit pricey by Adelaide standards, we're now seeing the investors look once again to the northern suburbs where we still have a fairly low socioeconomic group, but one by one, a lot of the properties up around Elizabeth and Davaron Park are now being demolished with newer buildings being built. We're starting to see that change happening there as well. So I do like those areas because they're not only still affordable by everyone else's standards, They get a great rental return of more than five percent on your purchase price and you kind of recession proofing yourself a little uh, because the demand for rentals are very high in both of those areas still
0: and and as a driver for adelaide i mean we used to talk about adelaide and south australia as sort of the rust belt state but i guess it's just the affordability question combined with lifestyle and i guess you know the whole revolution and where people work are they sort of the things that that sort but, of a driving the Adelaide market in sort of. They, a, they are. We have to remember
2: things. we have we have other things now uh, featuring. You know the 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 space centre there has, does employ quite a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There's been some really big upgrades to uh, medical in South Australia, so we are now seeing a lot of people who are uh, moving to Adelaide to work in the medical industry, and also the universities have been expanding. So education, um, health. Two big drivers, which previously in Adelaide didn't attract a lot of people are now attracting a lot of workers. So we are now seeing the jobs situation in Adelaide change significantly. And it's a real attraction to people on top of the things that you've mentioned. So on top of the fact that you've got the lifestyle, you've got reasonably good weather there most of the time. You know, we haven't seen any floods in Adelaide. No, you don't get everywhere else. <laughs> you don't get um, too many
0: floods. So yeah.
2: Yeah, it's you know fairly dry there. Um, and I don't know if you've been to Adelaide, but wow, the city's really vibrant yeah. and very grown up now. So there are all of the things that people need to start to take a city quite seriously. Um, we're seeing it in Adelaide. We're not seeing it in Perth yet, but there are other things about Perth that create a very good long-term proposition for investors.
0: And what about uh, sort of the regions or at least the areas around the major cities? We had a, this sort of mini boom coming out of COVID, I guess, with well, COVID, and as people sort of realised that they could work from home and only commute occasionally and uh, the lifestyle and affordability. Is that boom still going or, uh, you know, regional areas around the big cities, some of that faded as as interest rates start to bite a little bit?
2: Mm. I was very sceptical about the potential longevity of this whole let's all move to the country and Mm -hmm. work from home thing. And I think what happened is while initially Employers found great productivity from those people who worked at home. I think the workers from home loved it for a while, and now a lot of them are saying, "I think I need to go back to the office." Yeah. Uh, you know, get away from the kids. I'm seeing them too often now, and you know, things like that. So I do honestly believe that that entire work from home thing, while it's still happening, I think it's happening not as much as people think that it's happening, uh, and I think it will continue to decrease. And I don't foresee a lot of other drivers at the moment in some of those regional areas. Having said that, if it's a regional area that is in a commutable distance to the city, then I think it's probably going to be okay. There are parts of Adelaide that haven't taken off yet that Adelaide people will start to realise they have to move to Mm. as everything else becomes more expensive. So if we get but far down south past Aldinga Beach and O'Sullivan's Beach and start going a little bit south from there, by our standards, it's still probably only a 40 minute drive back to the city. Still a little far for the average Adelaide person to be able to cope with, uh, but that will come. So I think there's some regional opportunities in some of those areas and some parts of Melbourne as well and Brisbane that had that one hour commute back to the city. And I think there, if you draw that one hour circle around those capital cities, you'll find some areas that are still affordable, getting fairly good rents and have potentially good infrastructure plans in place. And they're going to start really trying to attract in the population from the overcrowded cities and the overpriced
0: cities. Yeah, and I guess I guess the key there is infrastructure, uh, you know, in place or about to happen rather than in the never never that's probably a very key driver there correct yeah
2: and, and we need to consider the budget which has said that they're taking some money out of infrastructure now we have to remember that money taken from infrastructure for this budget we've only taken from um proposed infrastructure anything mm. that's already funded will go ahead and that's was a key thing for investors to understand When they're looking at an area it's no good to say well they're talking about a bridge and when that bridge goes in it's going to change everything it's only if that bridge now has the funding and if that bridge significantly reduces commute times Um, we have to understand that some infrastructure like a new football stadium doesn't necessarily increase the population and you know not all infrastructure is the same
0: well, Margaret, thanks for joining us and sharing those uh, terrific insights, both about interest rates, and I think you're right about uh, you know, the, the impact really hasn't been felt, but uh, also uh, some comments there about uh, some opportunities in Adelaide and some of the, uh, the one-hour zone around uh, the major cities. That's Margaret Lomas, the founder of Destiny. And finally, Here's my budget wrap for 2022, which I would describe as the Labor government delivering on its election commitments, but really putting off any hard decisions until at least May next year. One thing I didn't cover is the muted change to off-market share buybacks, which was announced as part of the taxation package. Unfortunately, it looks like these are now dead, and that's going to impact many self-funded retirees and others who benefit from the extraordinary number of franking credits you get with an off market share buyback. Let's hope the government listens to the market and has a change of heart on this matter. And our special wrap of the 2022 budget, which I'd characterise as promises implemented, but few hard decisions. During this short video, we're going to look at the key numbers in the budgets, but also the impact on the share market for older Australians and for investors. Let's start with with the numbers. In the first column, we have Josh Frydenberg's budget for 22 23, and the second column, what Jim Chalmers has set out in October for this current financial year, and then his forecast for 23 24 and 24 25. The big change, of course, is that the budget deficit has improved from a forecast of $78 billion that, that Frydenberg made in, in March down to just $37 billion from Jim Chalmers. And that's largely just due to commodity prices, much higher royalties in iron ore, but also in particular, our big miners paying a lot more in company tax. The other big mover, of course, is inflation. The government's now forecasting inflation to average 5.75% throughout on a year-on-year basis for 22-23, compared to 3% last year. And that's after a peak of about 7.75% at year's end. Uh, Looking out to 23-24 and 24-25, a much lower growth forecast growth only growing at 1.5% in 23-24 and picking up a little bit uh, to 2.25%. By and large, the the change in the budget deficit in 23-24 and 24-25, a little bit better in 23-24, a little bit worse in 24-25. One area that has improved, of course, is net debt. And that's approved across the board, and I I think you've got to give some credit there uh, to Jim Chalmers. But this is the budget about the ALP meeting its election commitments. There aren't any new taxes, very few losers. Let's look briefly at the key commitments. First of all, universal childcare that will go to about 90% of all families. Uh, A new national housing accord that will see a target of a million new homes built over five years commencing in 2024 fee-free TAFE for 180,000 students, expansion of the paid parental leave system and the pharmaceutical medicines, the maximum cost for a script will come down from $42.50 to $30. Older Australians were one of the key groups to win and a couple of surprises here, most chiefly being the changes to the downsizer contribution, which allows older Australians to put money back at a super when they sell their primary home. The two changes: the age is reduced from will be reduced from 60 years down to 55 years, and secondly, the impact on on a retiree's Centrelink pension benefits. Um, some of those proceeds will remain exempt uh, for a longer period now, two years. There'll also be a lower deeming rate when the income test is applied to those proceeds. Previously announced, the government said that the pensioners' work bonus would be increased by $4,000. So effectively. A pensioner can now earn $11,800 in 2022-2023 before their pension is impacted. And finally, eligibility for the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, that's also been widened. Uh, The couples will now be able to have up to $144,000 in a combined income, up from currently about $78,000 today. For investors, I think the important thing is, first of all, there weren't any major changes to super. Putting aside the downsizer, no other changes, uh, despite some of the rumours. And I guess you've got to say that's good news. There are also no new taxes that impact investors. The government announced, said that it had taken out about $28.5 billion uh, in savings, but largely that was a reprioritization of some projects. But what they did do in, in actually looking at some of the coalition promises, Uh, There weren't any major spending cuts, so you could say that, if anything, the hard decisions haven't been taken in this budget. Over the medium term, there's considerable new spending on housing, aged care, education and medicines, nothing in the budget per se for small business. In the long term, it's got to be positive for some of the companies involved uh, in things like building materials, in aged care and in the provision of NDIS services. Look, all these commitments are so much into the future, and a lot of those companies can't, can't manage the existing demand. It's not going to have any material impact on their share price in the short term. And overall, I think the share market's going to have, give this a bit of a yawn. It's pretty neutral for the share market. It's neutral for the dollar. As I said, this was a government that was about delivered on its election commitments, um, put off or, or, or deferred the hard decisions uh, potentially to next year's budget, which we'll have to wait until May 2023. That's the show for tonight. If you want more information, please go to switzerreport.com.au. Peter will be back on Monday night. We'll see you then.